Welcome to the Powers That Be Daily, Puck's podcast focused on the intersection of Wall Street, Washington, Silicon Valley, and Hollywood, and the players who run it all. I'm Peter Hamby. It's Friday, May 27th, and today I speak with Matt Bellany about Top Gun Maverick. It was shelved for two years, and now it's set to become Tom Cruise's first $100 million opening. What can the rest of Hollywood learn from the blockbuster opening of a 35-year-old movie franchise? And we close out the week with another round of Feedback Friday. Alex Bigler joins us to talk about what the Fritz mailbag is saying. Plus a new segment where we learn some fun facts about our team of journalists. We'll hear about all that and more on today's episode of The Powers That Be. This podcast is proudly supported by Netflix, presenting The Gentleman. The new series from Guy Ritchie stars Emmy nominee Theo James, Kaya Scodelario, and Daniel Ings. Eddie Horniman, played by Theo James, unexpectedly inherits his father's estate, only to discover it's part of a cannabis empire. And Britain's criminal underworld wants a piece of the operation, forcing Eddie to play the gangsters at their own game. Now available only on Netflix. Happy Friday, everybody. It's been a long week, but we finally made it. I'm joined today on the pod by Matt Bellany, and there's some really interesting synergy going on, which you can't see if you're listening, but on the Zoom here, uh, Matt and I are both people who live in LA, but I am wearing my Fat Possum Records t-shirt from Oxford, Mississippi. Oh, nice. And Matt is wearing his Ole Miss sweatshirt. You know, it's kind of funny that we both have Ole Miss connections and Oxford connections. This is this is amusing to me. That is my in-laws. I have an entire family of in-laws in Mississippi, one of whom went to Ole Miss and Ole Miss Law School, which is where I got my shirt oh, okay. from today. Yeah, it's actually a great cool. shirt. Really great. Fit. I mean, it's it's got that like chunky like um, '80s '90s like frat sweatshirt vibe going on. Uh, totally. That is, that is but- my brand, 100%. <laughs> anyway, I uh, uh, Matt, we're going to talk today about Top Gun Maverick. Speaking of '80s, <laughs> yes, yeah, speaking of '80s, exactly. Um, apparently, this is the greatest movie of all time. I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention two things. One. Matt has his own pod called The Town over on the Ringer Network. You should be listening to that. Two. I got a bunch of texts and emails this week about Matt's piece up on Puck about the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial and how Amber Heard's people believe that disinformation tactics that have become common in politics and and international relations are being leveraged online right now to defame Amber Heard, to sort of get mobs of social media people to be on Team Johnny Depp. It's a really fascinating piece. Everyone should go read it. Matt, I, I thought it was... Really, really interesting. Thanks. Now, just to be clear, there's other stuff at work too. I mean, there are a lot of yeah, people yeah, yeah. that are out there to shit on Amber Heard that are not bots. But there are a lot of people, not just the Amber Heard people, that believe this was a very coordinated disinformation campaign that began years ago and is now paying dividends with what we see happening in the social media universe during this trial. Yeah, and the, the piece is called Johnny Depp's Fake News. And, and you point out that this guy, Adam Waldman, who also worked for Oleg Deripaska, the Russian oligarch. He also visited Julian Assange nine times in one year. Oh, my God. Okay. So, basically, Johnny Depp's 
team is very adept at the dark arts of the internet. That is the larger impression. Not, of not to say that that is it, but, yes. th but that is an accurate statement that they would have, yes. if they were so inclined, they would have the means and the ability to do this. I see on TikTok constantly clips of this trial that look like they're almost designed to embarrass Amber Heard. Oh, not almost. I mean, it is. The whole justice for Johnny Depp hashtag, which had 8 yeah. million impressions. There is absolutely something fascinating going on in this world online. It is the fight behind the fight. And everybody in this world of Hollywood disputes is looking at this and saying, oh my God, what's going to happen the next time we have a trial? Everybody is going to ask for their Johnny Depp strategy. Actress Amber Heard is expected to take the stand as early as today in the Johnny Depp defamation trial. Clearly a fascination with celebrity and a love for Johnny Depp among most of the people who are here lining up outside the courthouse. Even though this is a pretty unique situation, everything is working in his favor. He's a very famous guy. He's been famous for a long time. He does have this kind of latent fan base out there. I don't think it's as big as we are now led to believe that there was some stoking of that world. But the internet culture right now is also very big into this anti-fandom where it's not really about what you like, more about what you hate. And we saw that with the Gamergate stuff, and we've seen that with some of these boy bands. And here it is on full display, where there's a legion of people out there that they don't particularly love Johnny Depp, but they just love to hate on Amber Heard. And the way she could change her face like an actress. One minute she's crying with no tears, then she's laughing, then she's frowning. So it's just a bad acting job. In, in politics, we call that negative partisanship. You might not like Donald Trump, but you hate Hillary Clinton, and that's why you right, vote. right, exactly, and I, and that's exactly what we see happening in celebrity dumb now. It's it's a it's an offshoot of politics where you define yourself not by what you believe, but by what you don't believe. Well, moving on to a lighter topic, Top Gun Maverick. I googled the headlines from this right before the pod. I just want to read you a couple of them. CNBC. Tom Cruise sets his sights on his first $100 million domestic opening with Top Gun Maverick. The Ringer, your uh, other home base. Top Gun is stupid, brilliant, dated, timeless, and perfect. <laughs> Entertainment Weekly. How they made Top Gun Maverick the most realistic flying movie ever. On and on and on and on. Speaking of TikTok, I was on TikTok and like one of these like A24 like film nerd kids, like, you know, wearing like a beanie, probably lives in Brooklyn did like a testimonial about Top Gun Maverick. He was like, this is the greatest action movie of the 21st century. Why does everyone love this movie so much? I haven't seen it yet. You know, it's funny. And I, I, I am remiss to go overboard in my praise just because I don't want to set things up. Like, it's good. It's, it's good. I enjoyed it. It's a throwback. It feels like a movie you might've seen, you know, 10, 20, 30 years ago, where it feels like everything you're watching on the screen is real. There aren't any laser beams from above or magic elves or anything like that, <laughs> that that you see in the Marvel movies. It feels like a real throwback where there's good guys, bad guys, and you know the flying stuff looks real. They probably used a little CGI, but most of it looks really real. And Tom Cruise mm -hmm. is like a real movie star being a real movie star in a movie. You know, you, you watch a Leo DiCaprio movie these days and he does everything in the world he can to make himself look unattractive and play characters that are not likable. <laughs> and Tom Cruise is the exact opposite. He's like, you know what? I'm fucking Tom Cruise. Like me. And that's what people are responding to. 
we talked about this a couple times before on the pod where the studio, this movie was done before the pandemic and they decided to sit on it and we're going to wait to release this in theaters and blow it out. Clearly that strategy seems to be working, right? Yeah, and it was controversial internally at the time and contributed to the head of the studio getting fired. Jim Giannopoulos, who greenlit the movie and steered it all the way to the finish line, he was fired by his bosses because in part, they did not perceive him to be on board with the studio's strategy to go all in on streaming. Now, I don't think they could have put this on streaming even if they had wanted to because Tom Cruise has extraordinary rights over approvals on how they distribute mm -hmm. this stuff. So mm -hmm. I don't think they could have, but he was saying over and over again, like there is a theatrical audience for this movie. We've got to hold it. Don't take that call from Amazon or Netflix or Apple. They may pay you $500 million for this, but you're going to lose something. And this could make a billion dollars if we play our card right. So if you're Warner Brothers and you had Tenet, they decide to release it in like summer 2020 thinking maybe people will be back in theaters at that point. Then it was streaming. I mean, they've got to be banging their heads against the wall. Yes and no. There's a theory that you had to just release these movies, those early COVID movies that, yeah. you know, you could wait two years if you wanted to, but some of these movies do get a little stale. I think we saw that when West Side Story finally came out and James Bond finally came out. It had felt like these movies were on the runway for years. I think Paramount was smart in that they just put the brakes on Top Gun and put it in a garage somewhere. There was no talk uh -huh. of it. There was nothing until they finally said, okay, now we're ready to unleash this thing. And they lucked out in that it's really good. So it's a franchise. Yes, it's 36 years old, but it's a franchise with a star playing the role that made him super famous. And it's coming at kind of the right time. What do you mean by that? Like there's gotta be like an appetite in the culture for just a big dumb action movie? Totally, absolutely. And something that feels familiar, yet is kind of new. I mean, there have been hits. Obviously, Spider-Man was a gigantic hit and Doctor Strange. But those are all of a piece. Those are all the same kind of movie, the superhero Marvel franchise movies. Outside of those types of movies, there have been smaller hits, but there hasn't been anything on the level of a billion-dollar grocer that is not a Marvel movie. This could be that movie that breaks through, and it's hard, to, it's hard to characterize a Top Gun sequel as an underdog, but I think people are rooting for this movie because it's not superhero, and because it's not special effects driven, and because it's got a gigantic star in it, it's kind of a throwback in that way. If you are a studio or a big name actor or director, and you're looking at this successful release, are there any lessons that Hollywood can take away from this? I think one big lesson is that they waited and got it right. This project had been floating around for years, I mean, literally a decade, where Cruz knew that there was appetite out there for a Top Gun sequel. But, you know, to his credit, he wanted to get it right. They had a mm -hmm. huge setback when the director of the original, Tony Scott, actually died by suicide. That set the project back. They had a financier in David Ellison, his Skydance Pictures, he came in and put up uh, a big chunk of the budget. So Paramount had a little bit less risk on this. And they had a producer who, Jerry Bruckheimer, is still around, still producing big movies. And he was able to kind of put it all together with Tom Cruise and make it happen. It was kind of a miracle that it even got off the ground after all these years. And then to make an actual good movie is another feat on top of that. All right. 
I'll go see it. What theater should I go to to see this in LA? I would recommend IMAX, honestly. I saw it at a big Coliseum theater in Vegas at a convention there, and it was great. But I would recommend IMAX. The flying sequences are amazing. Do you have like a go-to like movie theater junk food move? I don't. I don't love candy. I, maybe Red Vines, but uh, I don't. I don't love candy. I'm a big popcorn Diet Coke. The thing I do like, you know how people only order ginger ale and tomato juice on flights. Like I only get raisinets at movie theaters for whatever reason. That's my thing. Oh yeah. wow. Yeah, I think that's probably. There's a lot of people that probably get that movie candy and only at movie theaters. I'm one of them. All right, Matt. Thanks, man. See you next time. Thank you. This podcast is proudly supported by Netflix, presenting the new series, The Gentleman. Theo James, Kaya Scodelario, and Daniel Ings star in what The Playlist calls an entertaining crime comedy filled with style, panache, and laughs. The Evening Standard raves, The Gentleman is peak Guy Ritchie, impossible not to love. Now available only on Netflix. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Welcome back, everybody. I'm joined now by Alex Bigler, uh, who is here with a segment we do every Friday called Feedback Friday, where we listen to you guys who are listening to us right now. We always want your feedback. Um, I should note that Alex on the Zoom right now is wearing her Cardinals hat. The Cardinals are in second place in the NL Central in the middle of a very important series against the Milwaukee Brewers. I will not ever wish you good luck because I'm a Reds fan, but I respect your loyalty at least because you've been on a lot of Zooms with your Cardinals hat. I'm deeply loyal. Thank you, you, Peter. I assume that you want me here to give my feedback on um, (laughs) Top Gun Maverick as well (laughs) as Bellies, but I did not get to see it early like Matt did, so you'll have to wait till next week for for my thoughts and opinions. We can do that. Well, speaking of loyalty, you're very loyal to Fritz, and Fritz has gotten some interesting feedback this week about the music on the powers that be. What are you hearing? That's right. Our listeners are some um, elephant-eared people, which I I respect that a lot. And I think what's so fun about Puck, you know, our, our platform and the podcast is that what we're building, we're openly building the company in plain sight. Mm-hmm. So we get to play around with things. We get to see what works. We get to see what doesn't work. And that really extends through this podcast as well. So I don't know if you've noticed, but we've been trying some new audio elements with the podcast that our amazing producer Adam has been working on and eliciting some strong opinions, both positive and <laughs> negative about these. So definitely keep listening. Stay tuned to see if you can catch what uh, new audio elements might come next. The remix. <laughs> That's right. That's the dream someday. But I think the universal positive feedback is we get all sorts of like amazing, lovely responses about the theme song of the mm-hmm. podcast. Mm-hmm. Do you know the name of the of the theme song of the podcast? Uh, our theme song is called One in Ten by Cameron. Not to be confused with Cameron. Cameron. And I heard you pick, you pick this out, that they gave you like a slew. I of- did, yeah. Adam sent me and John a bunch of 
sample songs. And we agreed that this was the move. Well, you've got great taste. One listener wrote in and said, I don't know who wrote the music for the podcast, which we now know is by Cameron, but it's compelling and gives me the essence of breaking important news, but in an exciting way. So well done, Peter. Great job. (laughs) Music is one of few things I care about. So thanks. I appreciate that. Flatter me with on my music taste anytime you want, listener. I'll relay that to everyone, too. (laughs) Uh, All right, what else you got? Okay, a couple of weeks ago, we started talking about having new alliterative segments Mm -hmm. um, for other days of the week. I would like to incorporate a subsection of Feedback Friday that I think is alliterative that we're going to call Fun Fact Friday. Mm, I like this better. Okay, good. Um, So I, you know, we're always here at Puck to try and break down the fourth wall between our journalists. And so I want to take this space to be able to share some kind of fun facts behind the scenes about our journalists. Okay. And I thought I would start today with Teddy Schleifer. You know, I worked with Teddy briefly at CNN. We overlapped for like one minute. Um, And I feel like we've got to know each other a good bit. And now that we're at Puck, but I would like to learn more. So please share with me. Well, that's a fun fact that you guys work (laughs) together. Thank you for sharing. So Teddy Schleifer... Fun fact, is looking to visit every national park in the United States. And he is currently at 27 national parks. And how many national parks are there in the United States? Teddy, next time you're on the Powers <laughs> That Be podcast, can you let us know? I'm Googling. Oh, it says there's 63 national parks. Okay, so he's a third of the way there. He'll get there. I think he'll get there. By what year do you think he'll get there? Uh, 2031. Oh, that's a... That's a, over. Okay. I feel like I was, a lot of national parks are out here out west, you know, so you can knock a bunch of them out. I was going to say like 2026, but okay. Okay. We'll see. <laughs> we'll come back. We'll come back in a couple of years and see who wins this bet. But in the meantime, email fritz at puck.news to let us know what fun fact who you want to hear about next week. Um, fun fact about Peter you're writing another piece. I am. I actually, uh, I'm writing a piece about the LA mayor's race, which, you know, is really coming down to Rick Caruso, who's this billionaire developer running to clean up LA and Karen Bass, the congresswoman, very progressive. They'll probably make the runoff. But in the course of writing this, I just sent a note to our Slack that like, I've been a political journalist since like 2005, basically. And Sometimes donors just don't want to talk to reporters. They like to be private. <laughs> like it's so much easier at Puck to get people to pick up the phone. <laughs> like I was just like emailing people, be like, hey, we'd love to talk about Caruso. Hey, we'd love to talk about Karen Bass. Email me back in like 10 seconds. Call me right now. <laughs> and it's uh, a sign, I think, of the fact that, you know, a lot of plugged in important people read Puck and, and like it. And that is the common theme when I talk to them is that they love listening to the podcast, they love reading everyone's stories. It was like people love Puck and they want to talk and be on the inside and spread the gossip. So it was it was a, a fun moment yesterday when I sent the group that message. Unlike being at other companies where you hear the Slack channel ping and you kind of like roll your eyes, I feel like <laughs> the Slack channel pings and everybody perks up. They want to know what someone is about to drop in that group chat. So Yeah, it's a very good group chat. The, the general Puck message board on our Slack is very solid. I like to read every note. Me too. Shout out to all my fellow Puck journalists. Thank you for kicking ass. Anyway, thanks for having me. And as always, if anyone has any thoughts, feedback, ideas, feel free to reach out to fritz at puck.news and we will get back to you as soon as we can. Thank you for being the Fritz Whisperer. Uh, Good luck against the brew crew. I really need it. Thank you. (laughs) 
Thanks so much for listening to another episode of The Powers That Be. As a reminder, The Powers That Be is the official podcast of Puck. We'd like to thank Ben Landy, Liz Goff, and Alex Bigler for their editorial and production guidance. If you like what you hear on this podcast, please share with a friend. It really helps us keep delivering the inside scoop that only Puck can offer. You can visit us at puck.news and on Twitter at Puck News. I'm Peter Hamby. See you next week. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13 Studios. Please listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes wherever you get your podcasts. The Powers That Be Daily is executive produced by John Kelly, co-founder of Puck, and Chris Corcoran, chief content officer and founding partner of Cadence 13. 